Welcome to Horror Struck. What's up, horror homies? Welcome back to Horror Struck, a horror commentary podcast where we look at the genre through the lens of a diehard fan and of a scaredy cat. I am Riley Ott. I am joined by my co-host and best friend, Cecilia Talbert. This week, we took a look at the 1988 film Pumpkinhead, directed by Stan Winston. Spoiler warnings for 1988's Pumpkinhead. There will be many spoilers. <sighs> so, Riley, what's up? What's new? What's What have you been doing our couple weeks off from recording? What have I been doing? Um... I went to the zoo. We went to that fun, spooky, outdoor Halloween bar. Oh, yeah. I gotta look up pictures. Yeah, they're on Facebook if you want to look. It was very cute, and they had good drinks. Oh, my God. Look at this drink. It's smoking. Oh, yeah. That was cool. There was dry ice and a bunch of the drinks. What was the one that had the whipped cream on top? Was it like a pumpkin pie martini? Yes. It was pumpkin pie martini. I got whipped cream all over my face. It was delicious, though. I love pumpkin pie martinis. They're strong, but they're good. Yeah, it had, like, actual pumpkin preserves in it, or, like, the puree. It was really good. Speaking of consumption, did you watch any other horror-y things while we were apart? I haven't been watching too much. I watched the whole second season of Pen15 in, like, one sitting, so I was mostly focused on that. But I did, today, watch the first episode of the Ratched show, the Sarah Paulson Cuckoo's Nest show. I watched all of it. Oh. Okay, I watched the first episode and said, I'm going to watch the first episode of Lovecraft Country next and see which one I want to keep watching because I didn't really like the pilot. Initially, because we had to push back our recording day, I had just seen the first episode and my recommendation was going to be like, I don't think people should watch this if you watch One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. But now that I've watched the whole series, I really like it, but I like it in a way that I don't put the two things together. Right. I was trying to separate it from the source material because I I really like the book and I really like the film, but I know that this is just a Ryan Murphy show and that's all I'm expecting it to be is a Ryan Murphy show. If you don't like Ryan Murphy as a creator, he does American Horror Story and he's done the American Crime Stories and he's done Green Queens. He did Glee, although I would just say if you like the first few seasons of Glee because that show went off the rails. I watched every single episode. I'm pretty sure I did too and I didn't mean I liked it. I just tolerated it. But Ratchet really, it really grew on me. At first, I didn't think I was going to like it as much. It really grew on me. I really liked it. It's got really strong performances. Yeah, I love Sarah Paulson. I think her portrayal is really good. That's the one positive thing I do have to say about the pilot episode. Yeah, and I liked the way that Ryan Murphy took the show away from it seeming like women against women and made it into a woman um, joining forces to defeat the man. I liked the way he took the show. I wasn't sold on the pilot, but I would say keep watching it because it gets better. I probably will. Anything else? Do you watch anything else? Not that I can think of. What about you? I know you told me earlier you watched a a quick movie that you really liked. Yeah, so I watched like a good handful of things. I would say probably the best thing I watched was Shudder has an original movie called Host, or it's called The Host, I think. I think it's just called Host. It came out in 2020, and I think it was definitely made during pandemic times, but they use it to their advantage. So the whole thing happens over a Zoom call, and essentially the premise is that a group of friends are convinced by one of their friends that they should have a Zoom call seance with a medium. And yeah, it goes poorly, and they accidentally summon a demon. But it was a lot of fun. It's really short. It's only 60 minutes. Uh, if you have Shutter, I highly recommend watching it. I would highly recommend subscribing 
subscribing to Shudder even for just the free trial for this movie. I haven't seen a movie that has scared me in a while, but fun scared. I really liked it. How do you have a seance when none of you are in the same room? Uh, their whole thing was that the medium said, you know, it's not normal, but we have to envision that we're in a circle. It's kind of just like a use your imagination kind of thing. That sounds like an irresponsible medium, though, because you're never supposed to use a Ouija board alone. Why would I do a full seance? I think the thought is that the internet is what is connecting them. So they are connected, even if they're not in the same space. And the medium also says she's never done this before. And I think the seance would have gone okay if one of the friends, and the medium says this at the beginning, don't disrespect the spirits. Although she didn't, she wasn't descriptive enough to make them not do it. And one of the friends makes up a story, essentially, that she's being touched by this person she knew. And it turns out she made this person up that, like, had killed themselves. And then that is what allows the demon to come through, is that she made up a story about a ghost. And she created a mask of a ghost that anything can come through. That's fucked up. Don't joke about people killing themselves. That girl sounds like she deserves to die. Very good movie. Highly recommend it. Uh, I watched Creepshow 2. Not as good as the first. Yeah, you text me and said don't bother. There were three stories in it, so it was shorter. I liked the first story, and then the second story is the one that people told me that at least one person had told me if I watched the second Creepshow, I'd probably like the second story. And I did up until there was a really weird, definitely a non-consensual weird scene towards the end of the story that I was not okay with. Now I'm kind of intrigued and I want to see what this is, but also I know how mad that'll make me, so I don't know. The third story was fun. It's it's about a woman who accidentally hits, hits a hitchhiker and runs from the scene and then the ghost of that hitchhiker like stalks her. That's literally the plot to I Know What You Did Last Summer. You should have just watched that instead. Buffy's in that. It was fine. Also, the creep they redid the creep so he looks like more like a goblin than he does a skeleton monster not as good why didn't they just use the same one since he's a literal skeleton i watched a couple episodes of the series too because i heard that people like the series they do go back to more of the original design for the creep in the series and i like the series the series has been fun so far that's on shutter too right yeah where is our shutter sponsorship you talk about them every episode. It's a horror fan's dream. It's just some nice curated stuff. And Oh, I also watched The Changeling on Shudder, the classic from the 80s. That was really good. It reminded me a lot of The Ring. I know I've heard of that. Yeah, it's essentially there's this um, music professor and composer who moves into a haunted house after his family tragically dies in an accident and then him trying to help this ghost find peace. Yeah, not at all what I was thinking. I was thinking of that movie Changeling with Angelina Jolie. Yeah, I think that movie is about her, like, adopting a kid or something. Yeah, it's based on a real story, um, the Angelina Jolie film, where a mother's son had gone missing. And essentially the cops were like, they found this, like, boy that looked very close to her son. And essentially pushed him on her and was like, this is your son. And she's like, this isn't my son. Oh, dude, that probably sucks for that kid, though. I'd be like, this isn't my son, but I'll take them both. I remember liking the movie. So, yeah, I did watch a good handful of things. And I, for the most part, yeah, I enjoyed them all. Yeah, you're, uh... Uh, getting very into spooky season right now. Happy Halloween! Happy early Halloween! Alright, so that was pretty much everything for the week. Nice little catch-up. So, I guess we'll talk about the main event. So, Pumpkinhead. Did you like it? General thoughts? It was okay. It was a lot sadder than I thought it would be. It was a very dark, gloomy movie. Yeah, it is pretty sad. I mean, the whole premise is that 
problem is I didn't call anybody by their real names. I think his name is Harley. I kept calling him Dad. Oh, his name is Ed. It doesn't even matter. <laughs> Has anyone even seen this movie? Apparently it's it's like a cult film. And I, I can understand a little bit why it would be a cult film. Like I could definitely see this movie being a very good atmospheric piece to play behind everybody at like a Halloween party. So no one's actually watching it, but it's just playing. God, that's such a depressing movie to put on at a party. Well, just because of the creature feature effects. Right, like you would have to just not be paying attention completely. This movie um, is directed by Stan Winston. It was his directorial debut. Yep, words. And he hasn't really done much um, directing-wise. He's he's mostly a, like a special effects, visual effects person. Like he's done a ton of movies and won a ton of awards. He worked on Aliens. Uh, he worked on Predator. He worked on Terminator Two. He worked on Jurassic Park. He worked on AI. Ooh, love AI. And he did makeup for Edward Scissorhands and Batman Returns. So he's done a lot of stuff. Yeah, that's a pretty- pretty good career. And I did one positive for the movie. I did really like all of the visual effects. Yeah, the visual effects are good. I would say I'm probably on the same page with Riley. Like, I thought it was okay. I wouldn't say I regretted my... I don't know how long this movie is. Two hours? It was short. It was like an hour 26. Yeah, I didn't regret my time watching it, but I don't think it's something that I will really go back to. No, I think one time is enough. And I think there are a couple sequels too. They had a couple sequels. I think they also had like a video game. Yeah. And I think there was like comic books. There was like a comic tie-in. Yeah, I think I saw that too when I was just looking up other... Because I know I've heard of it before, thanks to your sister for scaring the shit out of me when I was little. And I think at one point I looked it up before we watched it just to see what it was in later years, and I knew there was more content. Did you know that this movie was actually inspired by a poem? No, I didn't. Are you going to read me a poem? Yeah, I can read it to you. Uh, So it's a poem by, and I think it's called Pumpkinhead, but it's written by Ed Justin. And they do say it in the movie. Oh, the creepy little kid chant? Yeah, when they're like torturing their brother or whatever. They're saying the poem at him. Yeah, you can either read it then or now. I don't care. The definite big pluses of this movie are the visual effects. It definitely comes from the fact that the director is a big, heavy visual effects person. So they look very good, most of it. And then I think Lance Henriksen, who plays Ed, Ed Harley, the dad, he is phenomenal in this movie. Oh yeah, I did really like him. He was probably my favorite part of the whole movie. And the funny thing was the whole time I was watching it, I was like, I don't know any of these actors, except I was like, I know him from some where why do I know him and then I realized he's an android in aliens in alien 3 wow okay now I'm gonna look for him once I finally watch aliens I mean, actor-wise, Lance Henriksen is really the only one who's done anything of note or anything I know. Uh, that's not true. Except there is one actress who makes her film debut, which I didn't even realize it was her until I was looking for trivia. I didn't either until I looked up the cast and I was like, what do you mean she's in this movie? How do you say her name? Maya Bialik. Yeah, so she is from Big Bang Theory fame, but she plays one of the Hick children. She's from Blossom fame. Excuse you. I'm going to say the general public mostly knows her from Big Bang Theory. Then we have the wrong audience. Click off of this podcast. All right, so 1988's Pumpkinhead starts with a credit scene that goes on for way too long. Oh my god, yes. I walked away and like went to the bathroom and came back and the opening credits were still playing. They're like five minutes long. They're way too long. At first 
first it starts and you get a cool fire shot. So I'm like, okay, I dig this. This is cool. And then it just never ended. You know who has a really good opening credit scene that I will accept every single name is at the very beginning of the film? The Robin Hood Disney movie, because they play that cute little whistle song at the beginning. Oh, yeah. And the animation is cool. I really like Robin Hood. I mean, I dig the music from this movie. I don't think I was paying too much attention to it. I think it's fun. I think it works for the movie. It was all just like dark, gloomy music and dark, sad stuff is happening. Yeah, it was adequate. It worked for me. It built the atmosphere for me. There was one moment where the music, and I'll talk about it later, but there is one moment where the music seems a little out of place. Wait, what? What scene? The scene where um, the little kid, what's his name? Billy? Where Billy actually dies but the music in that scene is weird but i'm wondering if the only reason i think the music is weird is because i'm confused whether or not billy is already dead or not i was confused if billy was dead or not for the whole time up until they were finally like he's dead yeah i I think it was fun that the guy who did the music for this richard stone he also worked on animaniacs and tiny toon adventure so he did music for both of those that's a very very different feel i wish he would have used that same music style and just had like fun goofy cartoon music No, they're going to steal our thing. Who is? Where we re-edit all the movies, but with funny sound effects. Oh, should we do this one? We'll do Billy's death scene, but we'll do it with like Animaniacs music in the background. Yeah, that'd be great. That's all, folks. Just gets run over by a motorcycle and like cute little bouncy music plays. Boing, 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 boing. Oh, poor Billy. So the credits go on for most of my life. And then we cut to 1957. You see a farmhouse where a mother is tucking her child in and saying prayers while the dad is getting his gun. So something's up. What was going on? He was like, there was, he was doing weird like prayer stuff too. I mean, it makes sense because we find out later that Pumpkinhead is a demon. I actually really like this beginning scene. It might have been one of my favorite parts of the whole movie. This in the very ending. It really sets the tone for the rest of the movie. So... Kids praying, mom's praying, dad's got his gun, dad goes outside and just shuts the sh- like the barn door, gets all the animals in. Which I don't understand because they make it very clear that Pumpkinhead will not kill animals. Unless they get in the way. They may try to help the guy that's trying to get into their house or something. Nay, we must help! Horses away! They're all back in the house. And then you get that poor, poor kid running through the cornfield, obviously being chased by something and banging on the door for help and the family not helping because they don't want to get involved because if you get involved, you die. Didn't they make a point to say that like he just is summoned to do the job that you ask and then he goes away? So the guy who was trying to get in probably was involved in something real bad. Maybe he deserved to die. It could have been something where like with the teenagers, I think maybe two of them deserve to die. I don't think the rest did. I think just one did. I didn't really see any of the other ones doing anything bad. They were mostly really nice you could essentially be like that man pissed me off he stole my donkey i'm gonna sell my soul to have pumpkin head kill him over your donkey was she also your wife yeah over my donkey it's dominic the donkey so they don't let the guy in and he gets murdered by pumpkin head and the son gets to watch okay was the son supposed to be the guy that egg goes to later is this his family oh oh you know what you might be right i always in my brain assumed that it 
was Ed. He didn't know anything about Pumpkinhead. So yeah, I think it is Mr. Wallace, I think, that comes to his store later. I think it is him. It's gotta be. Yeah, because Ed knew, like, rumors of it, and he knew that this one family in town knew where to find the witch to, like, resurrect him. But it didn't seem like he knew much else, because it was all just kind of rumors. I realized the shot of Pumpkinhead holding that, that guy up... That scene. I can specifically remember having a nightmare with that scene. Oh no. Okay, so you were afraid of this movie at one point. Yeah, I don't know how much of it I actually watched. Like it might have been something that like I had like my like my brother or like one of my sisters were watching and I just caught glimpses of it because there was this and then there was one other moment in it that I literally was like, Oh my god, I can remember my nightmare about this. Was Pumpkinhead trying to kill you in your nightmare? I don't remember. The only thing is like I remember like those shots and lighting in my nightmare. That's really weird to remember a dream from your childhood. I guess they're not really dreams though, they're more of nightmares. I kind of like all my nightmares though because I'm never in them and it does just feel like a horror movie that I'm watching. Whoa, that's crazy. I'm always in my nightmares. Yeah, I have a bunch of dreams like that. You're like that little boy from Insidious that can like dream walk. Okay, I don't know what that is, but yeah, Ryan keeps telling me to watch it, so we're gonna have to put it on a list. I remember liking the visuals in in Insidious, but I don't think I liked the story. Yeah, one of these days we'll get to it. So that's the end of the prologue scene. Guy gets murdered by the pumpkin head and then we cut to the present and you get to see Ed Harley with his son Billy Harley and they're just the fucking cutest family in the world. And you're like, oh, oh, that's a shame you love your son so much. Ed was such a nice dad. He was so cute. And Billy was such a nice little boy. That was a cute dog too. Do you know that dog? Yeah, that's a dog from Gremlins. Yeah. Yeah, it's Mushroom. Yeah, so uh, dad and son's relationship is really cute. I think Billy is a little, God bless this actor, but oh, this kid's acting is. He reminded me of Jonathan Lipnicki, the little kid from Jerry Maguire. Yes, I thought it was him. And I was like, it can't be him. No, he would have probably been a fetus when this movie was filmed. Oh, we got to talk about Billy giving his dad that really ugly necklace. Oh, that's what I wrote. I wrote, kid gives him a necklace. Ugly AF. Yeah, it was terrible. It looked like it was made out of big pasta noodles or something that shouldn't ever be made into jewelry. But his dad was so sweet and he loved it and he wore it even though it made him look so goofy. They do a really good job in this scene of uh, it's going to really hurt Ed once his son dies. I really like when we get to uh, the show shop that Ed owns and you see the sign outside and it says like Ed Harvey and he painted Anne's son. The sign! It's so cute! Very sweet. It's so heartbreaking. I wrote under that this guy really loves his son. That's a shame. It's very sad too because you have to assume like I don't remember if they talk about it or not but it's just him and Billy. I would just assume that his wife died as well. Yeah I don't think they ever talk about it. And now it's literally just them and he's got really no one else because he lives in this really tiny bump fuck nowhere town. It's either that the wife is dead or the wife left them and is no longer in their lives. Either way, it's sad and Billy is literally the only thing he has. By the way, where the fuck does this take place? Because it looks like they're in the desert and then they end up in a swamp. Maybe it just takes place on a completely different plane. We're not even in this world. Yeah, it's very strange. Before Ed gets to the store, you get your first glimpse of the teenagers heading out to their cabin because apparently that is all teenagers can do is go to cabins. Where the fuck is this cabin, though? 
like in the middle of the desert in this random town. They do end up in like a uh, like a wooded area though, right? They change locations a lot too, so it was kind of hard to keep track of where we were at all in the movie. So Ed's store is a couple of miles away from the cabin. Oh, I thought they said 50 miles. Oh, I thought they said 15. Oh, th- it could have been 15. I wasn't listening that closely. <laughs> because it doesn't seem like it takes too long for Pumpkinhead to like get back and forth from like the cemetery to the cabin to all these other places. Yeah, that's true. I just don't understand why these teenagers are so impatient. Why can't they just wait till they get to their cabin before they go dirt biking? Especially if they're only 15 miles away. Does someone at some point say that Joel, the douchiest of all of the teens, is like... That's just what he, well, yeah, obviously he's a douche, but is that like what he does? Didn't they say something about how he, it's like the only thing he's good at? Probably. I think it might just be him, but he's been drinking. He asks his girlfriend to hand him the beer while he's driving. And I'm like, you are only 15 minutes away from your cabin. You can't fucking hold it. Well, I assume that means he's been drinking the entire time. Well, I also think that's one of the reasons he runs. Because it's not just the accident, but it's the accident and he's trash. Yeah, so the teens show up at Ed's store. They start dirt biking. Ed runs up to deliver something to the neighbors. Billy runs out to get his dog and he just smashes into him. Oh, wait. Before that, you get to meet the Wallace family. They're the children of the corn. They were scary. Have you ever seen Children of the Corn? I have seen the scenes that I need to. So we meet the Children of the Corn, and they sing that really creepy uh, poem lullaby song thing. I think it's their grandpa tells them all to wait in the car while he goes inside to get his order from um, Harley. And one of the boys steals one of the girls' like ball, and so the older kid comes over and grabs it from him. And then they decide to torture him like, both siblings do, and they tell the scary, scary rhyme of Pumpkinhead at him. Do the poem. I want to hear it. Keep away from Pumpkinhead, unless you're tired of living. His enemies are mostly dead. He's mean and unforgiving. Laugh at him and you're undone, but in some dreadful fashion. Vengeance he considers fun and plans it with a passion. Time will not erase or blot a plot that he is brewing. It's when you think he's forgot he'll conjure your undoing. Bolted doors, windows barred, guard dogs prowling in the yard. Won't protect you in your bed. Nothing will. From Pumpkinhead. Okay, yeah, if a bunch of really dirty hillbilly kids were chanting this at me, I'd be terrified too. Yeah, and then, of course, the nice teenager with the camera who's taking pictures of all the kids. She's the one who who's just like, stop it! Well, that's the final girl. I did really like her. So Joel comes up and, like, bullies Billy and tells him his glasses look like Coke bottles. And she's like, stop it, he's a 10-year-old, you're an idiot. Like, she was really nice throughout the movie. So the Wallaces eventually leave, and that's when Ed leaves because he needs to grab something from the house to take up to the Wallaces. And so the, everyone's dirt biking now, except the ladies, because apparently ladies don't dirt bike. Maybe they just forgot their dirt bikes. And the coward guy. Listen, his name is Chris, and he was a nice boy. I liked him a lot. I called him coward because, like, he's dating Tracy, and Tracy is, like, not taking shit from Joel. And, like, Chris just kind of stands there and watches. I'm like, wow. Because he's not a misogynist, and he knows his girlfriend can handle herself. He looks like, I don't want to get involved. I think the only reason Joel was there is because his brother was taking his friends to his cabin, and he just kind of tagged along, even though everyone hates him. You get the fun scene where, is it Gypsy? Is Gypsy the name of the dog? Yeah. So Gypsy runs out of the store, and 
Of course, Billy goes chasing after his dog, and everyone is too slow to catch a 10-year-old? I don't understand. He doesn't seem to be running that fast. Well, I don't think they wanted to run out where they were dirt biking either. Yeah, let that kid die. Well, I wouldn't want to get run over by a dirt bike. But also, I found it really weird that I know it's probably a small town, and the dad thought it was fine. I'm sure he's done it before. But why would he run up to this guy's house while he knows all of these teenagers are out there dirt biking and just leave his son alone? My only thought is maybe he thought that his son would just stay, and he was only... I think he his plan was he was only going to run up to, to their house to grab, like, feed, I think, and then come back, and hopefully the teenagers would be gone. That way he could take Billy, and they could go drop it off at the Wallace's. Well, he should have rethought that. Yeah, it's the whole mentality that things used to be different. You can leave your child. It's fine. He won't get kidnapped. He won't get run over by a douchebag on a motorcycle. But yeah, so Billy gets run over by a douchebag on a... They keep saying motorcycle, but is a dirt bike just a type of motorcycle? I thought they were different. I'm going to say yes. I assume motorcycle is an umbrella term for any kind of bike with an engine. He doesn't even, like, get hit. He gets sideswiped. But I understand to a certain point because everything they did in this movie, they did it what they call in camera. So there's no added effects after. Everything that they shot, they did not change the film at all. So they did everything practically. They actually ran that baby over with a motorcycle? No, but I think you could definitely tell that that they definitely, like, ran, like, in front of him. And then they're like, fall! And then they forgot to tell him if he was supposed to be dead or not. So he's like, I'm going to do an actor's choice and be dead here. Yeah, that was weird. I thought, okay, they ran him over. He's probably either dead or at least knocked out. But he's laying on the ground and just like blinking and looking around. Oh, I didn't even see the blinking. I just saw his eyes opened, like dead eyed open. And I was like, oh, that kid's definitely dead. And they're like, put a blanket on him. I'm like, that's not gonna help. Yeah, they say that he's cold. And they're like, okay, we have to keep him warm. I don't know why that helps. I guess if your body is in shock, like when they put the trauma blanket on you, something like that, where they could tell he was alive. So he just needed to like kind of stay with them until they could get him to a hospital or something. He may look dead, but I think he is supposed to be alive because I think he does die in Harley's arms later. I don't know. I was very confused about when he was actually dead. I mean, either way, he's dead, whether he dies here or later. Right. Yeah, it was very confusing. Well, my only issue with it was the dad comes back. Steve stays with Billy up until Ed comes back. And he's like, they went, my friends went up to the cabin to call 911. But Ed just grabs him and goes to the hillbilly house instead of to a hospital. He goes to his house first. He does? Yeah. So essentially, so after Billy gets swiped. Uh, everyone is freaking out, including Jacket slash uh, Joel. I just called him Jacket the whole movie. And he grabs his girlfriend and they fucking book it. They run. And then it's his brother, Steve, who's like, I'm going to stay with him. And then all the rest of them get in their car so that they can go up to the cabin and call for help. But that psycho Joel, when they get there, cut the phone wires and they can't even call anyone. So yeah, so Steve is waiting and that is when Ed comes back. And this scene, heartbreaking, because he goes in the store and is like, where's my son? The love of my life. The only reason I exist. And then he walks outside and Steve awkwardly waves at him. And I'm like, how how would you do this if this really happened? I mean, I would be shouting as soon as I saw that truck like, hey, we need help. But like, he's like, uh... 
Which is why I thought the kid was dead, because he doesn't act in a big way. Well, he's probably either in shock or trying to remain calm if Billy is still alive so that the dad doesn't have a meltdown and they can actually find help. But yeah, so the dad picks up Billy and Steve's like, can I help? And the look he gets from this dad. I felt really bad for the rest of the teens. I did too. Because they did seem genuinely nice. Like Steve stayed there, was trying to help, was doing everything he could, and he just gets fucking slaughtered. Oh my god, later Steve even tells his brother, like, we can tell them I did it. I'll take the rap. Like, he's such a nice guy, and he's the first one to die. I don't know why they didn't go along with that plan, though. Like, he seemed like a big enough douchebag to just be like, yeah, that's fine, you take the fall. Maybe he was really worried that when the rest of the teens were questioned by police, they would be like, I can't lie, it wasn't Steve. Yeah, I would definitely throw Joel under the bus. I've never met a human man named Joel who wasn't a piece of shit. Sorry to any Joels out there. I have never met a Joel, I don't think. So the dad drives off and then we flash back to the cabin and um, I think it's, uh, oh, I wish I didn't call them just by their nicknames. Cameron Coward, what are their names? Tracy and Chris. They run in and as soon as Tracy goes to call for help, because she asks them when she first walks in, she's like, did you guys call? And they're like, nope. And so she's like, well, fuck you. And so she goes to call. Goddamn Joel Jackethead rips the cord out of the wall. And it's just like, nobody's calling nobody. He's psychotic. God, what a time to be without a cell phone, though. Like, what would he have done if they all just pulled out their iPhones? They probably just wouldn't have signal in that case. Oh, that's true. Yeah, so he pretty much just stops everybody from calling. And then we flash back to Harley and Billy, and they're at their house. And that's when Billy dies. He, like, has Billy in his arms and has, like, a washcloth and is, like, trying to cool him off or wipe him down. And then you hear, like, him go, Daddy. And then he dies. Oh, I didn't notice that part. I thought he was already dead. Yeah, I don't know if this was a voiceover later. You hardly see his mouth move. And he also doesn't do the whole thing where someone, when they, like, die in a film or on TV, where they're like, ah, and then you see their whole body loose, and his whole body is loosened the whole time, and he goes, Daddy! And then I was like, did he die? He didn't move at all. <laughs> is that is that it? Has he been dead the whole time? Is that hearing things? Am I hearing things? But Ed cries, so I'm like, okay. I want a movie to do the very realistic thing where someone dies and then just all of their, like, bowels release and it's just covered in, like, Billy's shit. R.I.P. Billy. There's just really creepy, like, they played this, like, touching music underneath, but instead of coming off as, like, touching and sad, it comes off as, like, unsettling. Which might have been the point, but I didn't like it. Oh, I think another thing that really annoyed me about this movie is that they go from location to location so often, they don't stay in any one place for very long. So like right after this, they cut right back to the cabin. And I think that's when Steve gets there. And they've locked Tracy and Chris in a pantry so they can't get out and try to go for help. Yeah, he hits Chris in the head with a fucking log before he locks him in the closet. Yeah, yeah, because Tracy took her keys out and he took her keys from her. I just wrote down, this guy sucks. He's insane. He hit his friend in the head with a log. Yeah, and then he locks him in the closet. And then I think, don't they just jump right back to Ed? He's like going to the, the Wallace house and looking for a witch. You know, as you do. 
But before that, there is one line that really made me laugh is it's that scene where Steve's like, you know what? I'll tell them I did it. That way you won't go to jail. And he's like, they're not going to put me in jail for an accident. And I said, that's not how that works. Manslaughter is still manslaughter. Pretty sure if you kill somebody, they're not going to care if it was an accident or not. But he's also white. Yeah, but it was a poor white kid. I don't think they care about poor people either. They're back to the dad at the Wallaces. He's trying to pay Mr. Wallace for information about the the mountain witch? The swamp witch. Because she lives in a swamp. Yeah. And he won't do it even when he shows Mr. Wallace his dead son. He's like, sorry about that. Still not going to tell you where she is. And he says, all she can do is take you straight to hell. Well, he didn't lie. Good thing his grandson likes money because he's like, I'll tell you where she is. I'll take you part of the way. You know who Bont reminded me of? Who? That kid from the Spy Kid movies. I thought he looked exactly like him. We learned that the Swamp Witch's name is Haggis. Seems a little lazy. Yeah, that seemed a little on the nose. She was pretty creepy. I don't like witches. Well, she in particular was creepy. Did you know that her costume was 65 pounds? Holy shit. Oh, that poor woman. I do want to know how the Wallaces know this Haggis witch. Is she just like an old family friend? How often did they summon Pumpkinhead before all of this? Well, they seem very afraid of her. So I'm wondering if it's just something that they know, especially like uh, Mr. Wallace has been told his whole life, like, don't go to Haggis. So it's just one of those urban legends where they know where she lives, but no one dares go near her. Like, even Bunt, when he's in the car, says he'll only go halfway and then he needs to get out, and then he just runs home. But he says the line that that witch creeps him out, so he's definitely met her. Maybe she does, like, small bits of evil magic or regular magic, but she can also do the big stuff, too. So maybe it's something where, like, if they have a baby that's sick and that's the baby isn't getting better, they take her to the witch, and the witch makes some sort of potion that will help the baby, or sacrifice sacrifices a goat to help the baby get better or something like that. Hey, speaking of babies, so when Ed is talking to this woman, she's like, hey, you've got to go to this cemetery where Pumpkinhead lives. It's a cemetery for a bunch of babies that people don't want you to know about. You know what I mean? Does Pumpkinhead live in the incest baby cemetery? It could be a combination of both incest and what happens when you get rid of abortion. People do coat hanger abortions. Okay, Pumpkinhead has the creepiest home ever. How Halloween and spooky is it that they're just like, yeah, there's a pumpkin patch in the fetus graveyard. Again, a little too on the nose, but okay. I am really thankful that Pumpkinhead isn't a literal pumpkin-headed monster. That would have been so goofy. Yeah, and I think the creative team specifically said they didn't want it to actually have a pumpkin head. They wanted it to just kind of be called that because he's like an urban legend and they call him that because he's dug out of the pumpkin patch. My mom calls me that sometimes and now I'm kind of mad at her. Pumpkinhead? Yeah. Why would she call you Pumpkinhead? Because I got a big head. It's like in a house moving castle when Sophie calls the scarecrow a turnip head. He takes dead Billy to her house, pays her in silver coins, which the actor actually acquired from just going to a bunch of like thrift stores and antique malls. Oh, that's cool. The guy who played Ed, he got his whole wardrobe himself and I think he got a lot of his props himself. Yeah, I feel like he was just wearing like ratty farmer clothes for the most part. So Haggis, the swamp witch, essentially tells him that she can't raise the dead, but she can essentially help him get vengeance. And so that's when he's like, all right, I'm gonna go dig in this pumpkin patch. Oh yeah, that's what she said. 
said, she tells him, like, the price is your soul, and Pumpkinhead is a vengeance demon. And I immediately thought of Anya from Buffy. I was like, hopefully it's just her that he's raising. The pumpkin patch is, is it's pretty spooky. I do like that she's like, you'll know where to dig, and he shows up. And personally, I still wouldn't have known where to dig. I'm like, this whole thing is creepy. I wonder if it's just wherever you start digging, that's sort of where he materializes. Maybe they are supposed to be like, the platform is supposed to be the guiding thing. Because at the end, when she reburies him slash Ed, she buries him in the same spot. Or maybe because Ed kind of like is connected to him. It just starts right off the bat once she starts her whole witchy process. Oh, you know what it is? I think it's because I noticed while he's digging, he can hear a heartbeat. So maybe that's what it is. Because I don't think he becomes connected to him officially until he gets his own blood taken from him. But it could be something where this is the beginning of the spell is him actually physically going to dig it up. Because it has to be important unless she's just like, ah, I'm old and swampy. My skin's pruney. I need you to go dig for me. Yeah, you'll know where it is. Just start digging. He comes back with a pumpkin. She's like, wrong! You said it was a pumpkin head. You didn't give me a map! So when they do finally, he starts like doing his like transformation into the big pumpkin head thing. At one point, he, when he's real little, he looked like Mac and me from the like McDonald's movie. <laughs> I think that was the only time where I was like, visually, this sucks, but the rest of the time it looked really good. I do like that his corpsey self. It reminded me a lot of like a mandrake root. Oh, yeah, like creepy, fleshy, screaming little monster. From the cursed graveyard, Pumpkin Patch, we go back to the cabin. They're still in the pantry. What did I write? Traumatized girl is traumatized. That was specific. I just called her trauma throughout the whole movie. Was it the blonde girl? I thought she died way later because he like smashes her through a window. They change locations too much. It's really hard to keep track of this movie. So her name is... Maggie. Yeah, Maggie. Yeah, because I wrote coma underneath. I called her trauma and coma because those were her two things she did during the movie. Or Maggie. Yeah, so that's irrelevant. They're still in the closet, uh, cab pantry thing. Uh, we cut back to the swamp cabin, and that's when you get the whole pumpkin head ritual. And this is probably one of the scenes where I don't think the special effects, other than when pumpkin head is completely grown, are great. Um, did you notice how fake looking that fake ass knife was? Whose knife? Well, maybe not the knife itself, but the blood effect for the knife that she uses to cut Harley and then she cuts Billy. Mm-hmm. There's a thing that, and I don't know if maybe they just had invented this kind of knife yet but i'm sure they had there's a type of special effects knife that you can run a line through the actual blade but it's hidden so then when you cut it leaves a blood trail behind and this one looked like it just had had a little hose of blood behind it and so she was hardly touching the skin you just see like a like a fucking stream of blood i was like that's fake fake as fuck wait was this part of the ritual did i miss something were they like cutting their hands so that's i think what really connected pumpkin head and ed together because she cut wait okay hold on did she cut her own hand and then ed's hand she might have i don't know all i know is she for sure cut ed's hand and put his blood in the thing and then she cut billy's hand because i think the point is Pumpkinhead is supposed to be going after billy's murderers and so she put his blood in she might have put her blood in can't remember i just remember the knife being very distractingly fake i remember her cutting ed's hand doesn't matter thought is that both their blood goes into the cauldron to create pumpkin head then this is where the witch says that this is a demon 
demon. He's a vengeance demon. Carly passes out. He starts to pass out as Pumpkinhead grows. And then he actually passes out. And when he wakes up, Pumpkinhead is gone. And the witch is like, now it started. Be excited. Oh yeah, I did like her line where she just said like, now it begins. Yeah, very spooky line. I also wrote that Pumpkinhead has butthole eyes. He does not. Why would you say that? The first time you see him when he starts to become not just like a shriveled corpse, like his eyes, I'm like, his eyes look like butthole eyes. I thought his eyes were super creepy because they didn't give him pupils or anything at all. They get better once he actually opens his eyes and he's like a full grown demon living his best life. I thought his character's design was kind of cool. He did remind me of the alien. Yeah, he reminded me a lot of the alien. Yeah, the xenomorph. So after Ed wakes up, is that when he finally buries Billy? After he does the ritual, he gets in his car and drives off. He gets his guilt dream nightmare where Billy like sits up and is, what does he say? I can't even remember. Like, look what you've done. Something like that. Yeah, he says something really creepy. Like, why did you do this? Or something like that. Yeah, why did you do this to me? Something like that. And then he like snaps out of it. When that was happening, I thought this was going to be a pet cemetery thing again. I was like, oh shit, he's a zombie. That scene is actually why Henriksen decided to do this movie. When he read that scene in the in the script, he's like, okay. That was what sold it to him. Must have been really well written in that screenplay. When did Aliens come out? Aliens came out in 86. That means he worked with Stan Winston before. So it could have been something where he was leaning towards doing it, but wasn't sure. And then was like, well, this scene's cool. I'll I'll do this for my friend. Anyways, back on track. So we go back to the cabin again. Maggie wanders off. Steve follows. That's how you die in a horror movie is you leave the group. (laughs) Clearly one of them is about to die. Steve is the first one to die, right? Yeah, I think Maggie might get attacked, but then I think Steve is the one who actually gets taken. And Maggie runs back to the cabin. And that's when, I think at that point, they've decided to let the the two people out of the pantry. Because Jacket Joel is finally like, you know what, I should have a conscience. I'm going to let them out and turn myself in. But before that, um, the dad does bury his son. But that's literally all I wrote, so nothing exciting must happen. So when Steve is getting murdered, I'm pretty sure that's when Ed is burying Billy, but he's also like having the effects of Steve's murder happen at the same time. So he's like shoveling, but also like looks like he's being affected by what's happening in the murder scene as well. That's an unfortunate side effect. Yeah, because I assume that means he's feeling everything that these kids that are getting killed feel. Is he feeling Or is he just seeing it and is horrified by seeing the murders? I don't know. It seemed like it was physically hurting him. So I assume that's what was going on. I mean, either way, not what he signed up for when he made a pact with the devil. What did he think was going to happen, though? If this witch was like, your soul is uh, the payment. I think he just thought he was going to sell his soul and then he was going to like hang out in his cabin until it was morning and then it was done. That wouldn't be as exciting for the movie, though. Kids at the cabin. Boys take guns and they go out looking for Steve because they think that Maggie has just lost her mind. And they're like, we're gonna go find Steve. So all the girls are left alone. And that is when Maggie starts praying. And she says, God is the only one who can stop what's out there. Well, that's because they thought it was the devil. Well, she thought it was the devil. And she's kind of right. It's a demon. But you get that great zinger from Tracy who is at that point over in the kitchen. She pulls out this big fucking knife and she says, just in case God doesn't show up. Yeah, that's pretty badass. I can't remember 
if the boys are still outside and the girls run to go outside to help. I can't remember the order, but anyways, some some amount of them try to go outside of the cabin and that's where Steve just kind of whoop, drops down dead. It's just dangling because Pumpkinhead, he's a joker. At least he's a demon with a sense of humor. And then at that moment, Steve drops down and then uh, Pumpkinhead takes, takes Maggie and just like pulls her over the house. Yeah, Pumpkinhead must be fucking huge. He has not been skipping arm and leg day. So at that point, Harley, this is the problem. There's too many cutscenes. I'm wondering if this is what the problem is. Because you can't stay in a scene long enough to build the tension. It literally just cuts right away. Yeah, just focus on something. Cut to Harley at back at the swamp, swamp cabin. And he is pissed that he uh, is getting, getting all these consequences for putting his blood into a blood ritual. He asks her if they can call it off. And she says, no, if he doesn't finish it, you'll die and go to hell. And he says, God damn you. And she essentially said, he already has. Zing! Back to the cabin. Pumpkinhead, he is just having a grand old time. He is just playing with these teens. He's fucking with them so hard. That's when um he takes Maggie and like puts her head against the window or... Oh wait, no. Maggie doesn't get dragged over the house. It's Kim. That's right. Who the fuck is Kim? Kim is Jacket's girlfriend. Honestly, maybe I just couldn't tell the difference between her and Maggie or her and Tracy. There were too many white girls. Oh, okay. So I think I know what happens. I read my... I actually read my notes. So I think the boys are still out and then the girls run out because they hear a noise and that's when Steve drops down and then Pumpkinhead drops down and like chases them into the house and he grabs Maggie and draws that cross on her forehead to be like ha ha god can't save you now you're right Pumpkinhead has got a great sense of humor for being a vengeance demon I'm sure they all do. So then back to where we were, it's he puts Maggie's like face against the window and then eventually she's still alive and then eventually just slams her through the window. Yeah, he smashed her through the window and then she just like laid there and bled, but she bled so much. Did that jump scare get you at all? When Joel comes back in and he sees like all the mess and he sees Maggie through the window and then Pumpkinhead just kind of steps into the room like, hello. Didn't get me. All the jump scares, they weren't great. Like, there's one later where it's just the dog. Definitely comes across as a first-time director kind of movie. He doesn't quite have his pacing figured out. No, there's a lot of jumping around, which I didn't really notice until we sat down to talk about it, but I think that's why I didn't like it that much. Yeah, I think so too. To run away from Pumpkinhead, that's when Joel, he goes outside to get his his dirt bike motorcycle, but it's trashed. Oh, okay, and that's when he goes back into the house. So he goes back into the house, and then the jump scare happens. Happens. And then Kim is taken and she's dragged over the house and then she's dropped from the tree. And then I think her death scene in general, like the, the dropping from the tree is fun. But I think when they find her, I'm like, really? That's all that happened? She got a little blood in the corner of her mouth and she's sort of over a rock? Okay, so I'm pretty sure I figured it out. And I definitely was thinking that Tracy and Kim were the exact same person because I thought Tracy had died. And then she's in a scene later with Chris. That's why I had no idea who Kim was. Um. So yeah, R.I.P. Kim. And then we go back to the dad. He's at his house, right? I don't know. It doesn't matter because I literally wrote Kim dies. And then I wrote dad gets to cabin. And then I wrote teens run to find help. Why? 
my note that because I wrote this down before we went back to Ed was that Joel is finally kind of regretting everything and he shouts at Pumpkinhead and he's like I'm the one that you want because all his friends and family are dead now so I know he did like actually regret it at this point it's him who it's him Tracy and Chris that are still alive wait does Ed show up at the cabin yeah maybe that's why I wrote that I was confused because I think he's decided once he goes and talks to the to Haggis that he's gonna help the kids because he can't take seeing them being murdered or feeling the murder I don't know either or he can't take it anymore so he goes to help them how do you know where their cabin was though my guess is there's probably not a lot of cabins in the area so he probably just guessed or he's just connected to or maybe he can feel where pumpkin head is because they're connected okay that's fair it's like a tracker sure works for me i guess they don't need to explain it joel chris and tracy at this point are running away and they run into that guy on the road who has a wolf as a pet he is the one who tells them that he can't help them because they are marked yeah and also they tried to steal his fucking truck so i wouldn't want to help them either i actually really did like joel's death i think it was a little silly but also a little fun Pumpkinhead stabs him all the way through with that gun and just like lifts him up oh yeah okay so ed gets there and he shoots pumpkin head and then joel just fucking kicks pumpkin head while he's on the ground and they're like oh he's dead i'm like are you sure and then he immediately gets impaled with that shotgun pumpkin head is so dramatic he's like i'm gonna pretend to be dead and then this guy is totally gonna run over to me and i'm totally gonna stab him what the fuck did he think kicking it was gonna do i think i like the idea of pumpkin head with a valley girl voice i do like how theatrical all of the villains in these movies that we've watched have been. He's going to find them, but he doesn't find them until after the two have run away with Bun because Chris and Tracy run to the, they run through the woods to try to find help and that's how they end up at the Wallaces. Yeah, they're like knocking on the door and the, all the hicks inside are like, oh, we can't do anything. And then Bunt kind of sneaks out around the house and is like, I'll help you guys, and takes them back to the, just the regular cemetery, because he says it's holy ground, so Pumpkinhead can't. Yeah, he takes them to the church, the church that they half-built. That's where you get that cool shot where Pumpkinhead is standing in the doorway. You get all that light. That just sounds like they didn't want to finish building the set, or they ran out of money. They're like, yeah, we can take you to this church that's only an outline of a building. Him standing in the doorway. Another uh, flashback of a nightmare I had when I was little. This sounds like a really scary nightmare for a kid to have. Like, if I had it now, I'd be like, eh. But as a child, like, the idea of getting chased by pumpkin is terrifying. I mean, if it were real, that would be terrifying, even now. They're at the church. They think it's gonna keep him out, but from what I read online is since they didn't finish the church, it's not actually holy ground, which is why Pumpkinhead can walk on it. Okay, yeah, because that just seemed too convenient that they went all the way there, but he wasn't affected. He does pause for a really long time, like he's not sure if he's gonna be able to step in it, and then he's like, oh, I can't step in this, and then he gets really mad at that cross. Oh my god, cross, get out of my way oh no where did everybody go it's okay i'll find them it's like my job yes definitely what he sounds like god i bet he was just trying to make friends he wanted to go to the mall i thought this scene was so funny so chris decides he's gonna get on the dirt bike and ride for help and then he realizes the dirt bike won't go and he's like what and then you turn to see Pumpkinhead, and Pumpkinhead's just like Oh my god, I totally have the chain for your bike. You can't go anywhere. Oh my god. <laughs> I think I would have enjoyed the movie a lot more if this was his voice. Pumpkinhead throws Chris and he gets hurt but doesn't die. Oh, really? Yeah, Chris survives to the end. I literally wrote, he throws Chris around. I don't know, he's probably dead. 
And then that was the last I mentioned Chris. Well, that's because he you see him kind of slowly crawling back. So I don't understand why Pumpkinhead just didn't finish. He did have a lot of people on his kill list. Like, oh my god, why does everyone keep running away from me? Ugh, I'll come back for you. The last person that Pumpkinhead kills is the reason why Pumpkinhead got summoned. So that's kind of serendipitous. That is when Ed shows up and he grabs Bunt and Tracy and gets them in their car. He's like, I'm here to help you and gets them in the truck and drives away. Then they end up at at Ed's like farm. That's when he's building a flamethrower. I don't know if it's just a flamethrower or a gun, but flamethrower is the main point. Do they ever talk about how to defeat Pumpkinhead though? Like, was there a point where the witch was like, he doesn't like fire. So I was automatically like, yeah, I'll, I'll I'll make a flamethrower. I don't know. I feel like we should have talked about more of his weaknesses. Maybe the thought is just like, we've tried to shoot him and it doesn't work. I mean, he's still fleshy, so maybe fire will affect him. Although if he's a demon, you think he would just love fire. Yeah, he's probably from hell. If he's a demon, he'd be like, yeah, this is like a fucking bath. I love this. At least uh, Harley apologizes to... <laughs> He apologizes to Tracy. He's like, sorry, I summoned this vengeance demon to kill you and all your friends. I'd be so fucking mad. Poor Tracy. She's like, can't we stop it? And he's like, nope. I do like how very action star he is, though, when he pulls out that flamethrower. He has a line with it, but I didn't write it down. It was probably goofy. It's fine. Then Pumpkinhead shows up. He's going after Bunt and, I think, uh, Tracy. Probably just Tracy, because Bunt doesn't really have anything to do with it. Bunt is helping them, so that means he is subject to die now. That is when Harley decides he's going to come outside and help. This is so intense. He gets this cord stuck on his flamethrower and stabs himself in the shoulder with his pitchfork, like, goddamn, six inches deep, like, so deep. Yeah, I was really confused. I thought he did it on purpose for a second. I was like, what is his plan right now, just to stab himself? Harley realizes that they are connected, because as soon as he's in pain, so is Pumpkinhead. Ooh, and then his eyes are real bloodshot and creepy. Yeah. So he realizes this and decides, I have to shoot myself in the head, which he does, but then he gets out of the truck, walks like six feet, falls down, and is still not dead. He shoots himself in the head, and I immediately thought, this is Fight Club, because he just doesn't die. But maybe it's because he's connected with Pumpkinhead, that he's harder to kill so that Pumpkinhead doesn't die. Right, like he has some kind of demon strength now. Poor, poor Tracy has to then shoot Harley to death, and by shoot, she shoots them like eight times. Bang, 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 bang. She shoots him in the fucking legs, though. Like, Tracy, what the fuck? He's right there. So she shoots Ed a bunch on the legs, and then Pumpkinhead just spontaneously combusts right there while Ed is dying? Yeah, so as Ed is dying, so is Pumpkinhead. So so I guess Pumpkinhead can only be in their plane if he has a living host to feed off of, is my guess. And so since his connection to that plane is dying, so is he. The last thing we see is, uh, well, Chris is alive, but that's that's irrelevant. He crawls back. He's fine-ish. And then, uh, the last thing we get is good old Haggis returning the corpse, uh, the corpse of Pumpkinhead back to the pumpkin patch fetus graveyard. Well, she buried Pumpkinhead and Ed, right? Well, I think the thought is, is that Ed is now the new Pumpkinhead. Ooh. That's what I got from it. Okay, I wondered about that because I did write down that Pumpkinhead was wearing Ed's necklace that Billy made him at the beginning. So I didn't know if that was, like, hinting they're connected 
lasted forever and Ed's going to come back if he comes back or what they were getting at there. That just makes me think that every time someone has summoned Pumpkinhead, their ultimate cost is that they have to take Pumpkinhead's spot. It's like in the Santa Claus, where if you accidentally kill Santa Claus, you're Santa now. Oh, I really like the Santa Claus, but it's like very morbid. Why wouldn't people be murdering Santas more often then? Wouldn't you want to be Santa? That is Pumpkinhead. Sure was. The pacing of this movie. Okay, and even the ending, though, because in my notes, I've got the witches burying them, and then I literally just wrote, oh, okay, I guess it's over. I don't really mind the ending, but everything, (laughs) everything in between. No, just the pacing. Like, I don't think the movie overall is, it's not a bad concept, and I think what they do in it generally is not bad. I'm just wondering if it is either, if it's the pacing, I don't know if it's also the editing, but it might just be the screenplay in general is just way too cut up that you don't get a lot of time to spend on scenes, so your tension doesn't really ever get built. So it's just moving from one spot to the next spot to the next spot to the next spot, and so it's just you trying to catch up. Yeah, it's just things happen, the movie. Yeah, this is definitely a a one-watch kind of movie for me. I see how this scared me as a child. I don't think I actually watched it. I think I might have just seen the scary clips, which tracks for my family. That, that, that would be the only thing they would show me. Yeah, they do like to spook people. No, I agree. I guess we'll just go uh, straight into our horror struck rating. So, one to ten, how horror struck did this movie make you? God, are, do we have another two? Uh, for you, we might. I, for me, I would say this is a straight one. I'm honestly between a one or a two. One and a half. <laughs> honestly, maybe one and a half. I think the part with Ed at the end where they showed his like bloodshot, creepy eyes and him shooting himself in the head it wasn't fear though it was just constant dread so horror wise i'm gonna go with yeah like a one and a half yeah i was very low i would go either one or a point five like it's it's just it was nice to see to like remember the things that i had nightmares about but even as something that scared me as a child it had no effect on me as an adult and i think it honestly was because of the pacing i think if this movie had been better paced i don't i don't know if it would have been scarier but i think it definitely would have been more enjoyable what is your overall rating for this movie one to five i'm gonna give it two baby incest graveyards out of five i'm gonna say i would probably give this movie a four four out of ten yeah the story itself isn't lacking it's the pacing and how quickly things move but the special effects are really good the lead actor is really good so it does have some redeeming qualities to it but it's it's not something that i'm going to choose to revisit i think all of the rest of them i've been like yeah upon rewatch i will look for this and this one i'm just like i don't give a shit if i never see this movie again no and there wasn't a lot of fun trivia for this one guess we'll leave Pumpkinhead and we'll move on to our last Halloween month movie. Yes, please. What do we got? We are going to watch 2018's Halloween. Yay! We figured this would be a fun Halloween movie in a nice compare and contrast to the first Halloween. Yeah, we kind of jumped the gun on the first Halloween. Should have saved it for Halloween. Well, we didn't think about the fact that we would probably be releasing all of our episodes semi-close to Halloween, so. That's okay. They've got lots of content for us to explore. What do you know about this movie? I have seen this movie before. I have strong feelings. We'll talk about it next episode. But Riley, you have not seen this movie. 
What do you know about this? Okay, so pretty much what I know about it is what you and Brandon and I talked about during our movie night when we watched the original Halloween. Basically, I know that Jamie Lee Curtis is in it playing Laurie again. I think there's something where you find out that her and Michael are related somehow, but I may be wrong. And I think there's also, like, a Lori's daughter or granddaughter or something is a main character as well. But honestly, I may be mixing movies because I know they've got sequels in between these. Yeah, and I've also realized that I don't remember, it might have been our Halloween episode, I cut out, like, five minutes of me ranting about this movie. So there is a good chance that Riley knows more and is just forgetting because I'm pretty sure I spoiler ranted about this movie. I know you did, but yeah, at this point, that was, like, a month ago. But yeah, I think that's all I know. I... I'm excited to see where you fall on the spectrum because our friend Brandon really likes this movie. I am not a fan of some of the plot points of this movie. I'm excited to find out. I am intrigued to see if this movie scares you at all. So we'll see. After Halloween month, we are going to have to kick it way up. Yeah, I think we've got an idea for at least one movie we're going to watch that I think will scare you. We're thinking about a couple things. I think at least one or two like scary movies and then we can go back to doing classics or whatnot. Yeah, I'm sure we'll narrow it down by next week. All right. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to hear more from us or follow us, you can do that over on Twitter and Instagram. We are at Pod, and we also have a Facebook page. You're going to find us at Podcast. All right, horror fans. Until next time, remember, stay spooky. Bye! Bye.